0: Welcome to KBJR 6 presents Beyond the Headlines. I'm Dan Wolf. Anchoring KBJR6 Newscast every night is without a doubt the best way to give Northlanders the information they need to get through their day. But it's also important to investigate certain stories in more detail than a daily newscast allows. That's why once a week I sit down with local leaders and officials to talk about the issues you are concerned about. From politics to current events, I'm here to break down the issues facing Northlanders. This is Beyond the Headlines. THIS MONTH, WE GOT OUR FIRST LOOK AT RENDERINGS OF THE PROPOSED HIGH-SPEED RAIL, WHICH WOULD CONNECT THE TWIN PORTS WITH THE TWIN CITIES. THE IDEA FOR THE PROJECT STARTED 12 YEARS AGO, AND NOW WE'RE LEARNING MORE ABOUT HOW IT WOULD OPERATE. IT'S CALLED THE NORTHERN LIGHTS EXPRESS, WHICH WOULD USE 152 MILES OF EXISTING BNSF RAILWAY TRACK, WOULD MAKE FOUR ROUND TRIPS PER DAY BETWEEN THE TWIN PORTS AND TWIN CITIES, BEING TWO AND A HALF HOURS ONE WAY. AS IT STANDS NOW, NLX WOULD HAVE SIX DIFFERENT STOPS ALONG THE WAY AND WOULD COST $30 ONE WAY. Now, the the proposed $500 million high speed railway project would stop its uh, stations in cities including Duluth, Superior, Hinckley, Cambridge, Coon Rapids, and Minneapolis. And during a pitch for the railway to the Duluth Transit Authority this week, NLX Alliance members revealed some new details about the plans. Officials say the Amtrak Midwest passenger car train would include one locomotive three to five coach cars and one cab control coach with the train hitting an average speed of 60 miles an hour and maxing out at 90 miles an hour. A schedule was also laid out showing the train times at each stop averaging just over two and a half hours one way. Officials shed some light on what the station buildings would look like, adding all six stops would be ADA accessible. The stations would include a building, boarding platform, ticketing, a waiting area, parking, and multimodal access. The stops in the Twin Ports would be on the north side of Belknap Street in Superior and the depot station in Duluth. But of course, with all of this, project leaders say there's still a long way to go with funding.
1: We're
2: in the governor's bonding bill for 11, House bonding bill for 4.4 and the governor's budget for $31 million. Are we going to get that? You guys know better than I do. No. But do we have a shot? Yes.
0: And those who pitch the plan say it's about more than just transportation. The project would create an estimated 3,000 construction jobs throughout the construction period. Well, not everyone is as excited about the possibility of passenger rail service between the Twin Ports and the Twin Cities. David Levinson specializes in rail transportation. He served as the chair in transportation engineering at the University of Minnesota's Center for Transportation Studies. That was from 2006 to 2016. He's now a professor of transport with the University of Sydney and joins us now via Skype. David, we thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, We want to start off uh, with uh, some of what you've had to say about this Northern Lights Express uh, rail proposal. You've been outspoken about the proposed rail service. Uh, Why? What are your reservations?
1: Well, the issue is that it's relatively expensive for what it does. And what it does is provide a low-speed form of transport between Duluth and the Twin Ports and the Twin Cities which is no faster than existing bus service, much slower than existing air service, and isn't really competitive with the automobile because for convenience reasons. So the question isn't that this is some new form of transport that will provide great opportunities. It's that this is an old form of transport that we retired a long time ago because it wasn't competitive in the markets that it serves. Now, it doesn't mean that there aren't other markets where rail would work really well, it doesn't mean that rail as a technology is necessarily outmoded, but this is a really um, low density market. Uh, the the offering on hand isn't going to move people any faster than they can already move.
0: I, I heard you use the word low speed there to describe this. Uh, you know it has been Uh, called a high-speed rail all along I know uh, the speed at which it's uh, it would run has decreased a little bit over time I believe it's now down to about 90 miles an hour Uh, is is there a certain speed at which something is considered a high-speed rail and and is this not it?
1: Well this is definitely not it so the average running speed on this is projected to be about 60 miles an hour essentially driving speed Um, At peak, it reaches 90 miles an hour, which of course means it must spend time below 90 miles an hour in order to average 60 miles an hour. Uh, High speed is typically 125 miles per hour or faster. The U.S., the only operating high speed line is in the Northeast Corridor, which barely makes the threshold and is pretty weak by international standards. Uh, The Accela between uh, New York and Washington DC will get 125 miles an hour. So calling this high speed is is a best marketing spin, um, and at worst, attempting to be misleading.
0: Uh, and you were talking a, a moment ago uh, about feasibility um, and and why you think this isn't necessarily feasible or, or affordable as it stands right now. What needs to be done, in your estimation, uh, to make this Northern Lights Express project proposal feasible?
1: Well, I mean, from a the United States is a wealthy enough country that it can afford to spend money on lots of things that aren't cost effective. Um, the question is, what are the priorities that you have and is this one of them? So moving a few hundred people each day back and forth who could move by other means doesn't seem to me a high priority. Uh, I don't know that there's a lot that can be done that, to bring the cost down on this. Uh, there are upgrades that are needed to make it safe for passenger transport. It hasn't run passenger service in decades and there are new standards in place to make things safer. So there's a certain amount of costs involved. Um, they have cut back on the cost compared to where they were a few years ago in the proposals. And they did that mainly by cutting back on the, the speed that it would be operating at and therefore not requiring adi- as much additional track work as the current plan does. There's still stations and train sets that are required, but they will only be four services a day instead of eight as was originally proposed. So. You know, you could get it down to zero trains per day, and that wouldn't cost anything except for the engineering. But what's the point? You know, the, it's, there's a fixed cost to providing this kind of service, and even if they fill up the trains, that fixed cost um, will never be recovered by passenger fares. And so then the question is, is this something society should subsidize compared to other things that are important, like schools, like urban transport, where there are real congestion problems inside of large cities? And that's a question of priorities. Uh, my, in my estimation, my personal view, this, isn't, this doesn't rise to the level of being worth spending money when, when resources are scarce. But you know, if it, it, there are worse things you can spend money on, too. And so this is a, is a social judgment as to what your priorities are. But it'll never pay for itself in an economic sense.
0: And I, I've heard you uh, raise some uh, concerns when it comes to environmental. Uh, with this project. What exactly are those concerns? Why concern uh, about potential impact to damage to the environment when it comes to Northern Lights Express?
1: Well, the environmental questions um, are two. One, as as an operating facility this is using diesel trains. Now that's more efficient than a single person in a diesel automobile. Um, but it's less efficient than people in, in less environmentally effective um, and sustainable than people who are in electric automobiles that are powered by renewable energy. So this is not an electrified line as currently proposed. Now, it doesn't mean at some point in the future it couldn't be, but you'd have to have enough demand to justify that. But even more than the operating cost, it's the question of the construction. Construction is is a big, expensive, messy process using large, usually um, fuel-powered vehicles and moving dirt and building bridges and laying concrete and laying steel rails consumes a lot of energy. And that has to be considered in a life cycle analysis of whether this is an environmentally sound thing to do.
0: I'm gonna be speaking to a little bit later in this show, uh, a big proponent of this project, a very outspoken proponent of this project since its inception 12 years ago. um, What would you say uh, to that person um, your advice to them, and uh, in anything you would say to really anyone who's a big proponent of the project, uh, and a reminder, we've got about 30 seconds here.
1: So uh, I think you've got to think about what you, what's the best use of money, right? Now, some people would argue that because it's coming from the federal government and the federal government might pick up a large share of this project, then from the local perspective, it's worth doing because it's somebody else's money. But from a social perspective, that's a terrible way to think because everybody else thinks that way. Then we just spend each other's money on useless things. So what's the most important thing in, in to do in the Twin Ports in Duluth? What's the most important thing to do in Minnesota? What's the most important thing to do in the Twin Cities to enable people to reach where they want to go? Well, David, we really
0: appreciate you joining us uh, from the other side of the world this morning. And uh, we hope you'll join us again to talk about this topic. And uh, have a good one. Thank you. We are continuing our discussion this morning about the Northern Lights Express. Joining us now is the chair of the Northern Lights Alliance Advisory Committee, Ken Bueller. Ken, we appreciate you being here this morning. Thank you very much, Dan. Uh, first question Do you have a Christmas card in the mail for David <laughs> Levinson
2: right now? I think he brought up some very good points. I think that Mr. Levinson obviously has uh, studied this. He had uh, his facts right. He had his. Uh, Uh, numbers right as far as high speed. I think his definition of high speed was uh, very accurate. It's not something that we talk about that much anymore. Uh, High speed was our original estimate of 110 miles an hour which barely makes the threshold as Mr. Levinson, uh, Dr. Levinson said. So I think he was right on that. Um, I might take some umbrage on some of his other points but I think I'd still send him a Christmas card.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, that's good to know at least.
2: Uh, Let's break down a little bit
0: more uh, of what he had to say and and give you a chance uh, to respond to it. Um, First of all, and and you touched on it right there just a moment ago, uh, that issue of of high speed or as he called it, low speed, um, it it sounds like this was uh, originally pitched as high speed and that's just... kind of something the media has held on to, to a certain degree, continuing to call it high speed?
2: Dan, that was my point. Is I think he's absolutely right. Uh, we originally had this proposed at 110 miles an hour, which is the threshold mm-hmm. for high speed as a definition. And he's absolutely right. It was almost a billion dollars and the likelihood of spending a billion dollars on a project connecting northern Minnesota to the Twin Cities, probably highly unlikely. So by cutting the speed down to 90 miles an hour and an average of about 60 to 65 miles an hour uh, at $500 million made a lot more sense as far as reality goes. And in that regard, I agree with Dr. Levinson.
0: Okay. Um, he also made, I think, his overarching point uh, about the speed there. Uh, he said it isn't going to move people any faster than they would already move. What would you say to that?
2: Well, he was right on some of that. Uh, as far as an automobile ride from uh, Duluth, Superior down to Minneapolis, you're about two and a half hours, which would be about the same duration as a train ride. Uh, If, on the other hand, you got on that train in Superior and uh, eliminated one of the choke points, which would be from Duluth to Superior, your ride is only two hours at that point, and you'd actually beat the car. He did say that bus was comparable, and I can tell you that the bus or the shuttle, neither of those two rides are comparable, Mm. because when they stop, they get off of the freeway and they go into town. Now, this new direct one that goes from the airport to the airport might be a little more timely. I don't know because I haven't checked that one out yet. But in the case of the shuttle, which was uh, a predecessor to this new service, uh, that was in the area of about four hours, mainly because when they stopped at Moose Lake or they stopped at Hinkley, they had to get off the freeway and then get back on the freeway. When we stop with the Northern Lights Express, an actual stop is only going to be about two and a half minutes. So you've got to be at the door, ready to get off, and at the platform ready to get on because we're going to come into the station and leave right away, uh, whereas a bus would take a little longer. Now, as I say, this direct one, this new one from the airport to the airport, that's probably going to be a little more competitive.
0: Okay. Uh, he also uh, talked about environmental impacts. He, he made a, a different argument. Um, you've, been a, uh, you've been vocal about how this would help the environment by getting more vehicles off the roadways. He made a different kind of environmental argument saying, uh, in a way, this is bad for the
2: environment. Well, the first part of that is that trains move people with the lowest carbon footprint of any form of mass transportation other than cruise boats. And we really aren't going to get a cruise liner from (laughs) the Twin Ports uh, down to the Twin Cities. So the cruising is out. But if you want to move a lot of people with the lowest amount of carbon emission and the best, lowest carbon footprint, railroad beats everything because you can put a lot of people on a train and get a lot of vehicles off the highway. There aren't that many electric vehicles, which he mentioned. But to your point, Dan, he was talking about the construction of the railway. Sure. And the amount of earth that has to be moved and the machines that do it, and they're all uh, carbon-producing machinery. And there he is wrong. Uh, This train track already exists. Uh, It's BNSF-owned and operated. And it goes directly from Minneapolis to Duluth Superior, and it already exists. We're not going to m- move any dirt. Um, the railroad just has to be realigned. Uh, we have to. And that's the construction the jobs there, yeah. during the realignment, mm-hmm. is that right? Exactly. Okay. And that's, quite honestly, uh, a lot of manual labor, but not a lot of machines involved. So I would have to argue that uh, there's going to be earth moved and digging and heavy machinery. No, this is taking an existing train line and speeding it up.
0: He also uh, he called it a social argument. I, I might even call it a, a moral argument he was making, saying uh, the money that could that, that, that would go into this proposal uh, would be better used on something like education, health care. What do you have to say to that?
2: I think he brings up a very good point. Uh, I think Dr. Levinson has been thinking about this, and and I would say that you know there's a lot of reasons not to be a proponent of Northern Lights Express, and we have people that are for this, obviously. I think the majority, but uh, there are people that are not enthused with the idea. As long as they get their facts straight, um, I think that's good. And I think Dr. Levinson has his facts straight, and he's right. Uh, Is this the best and highest use for these funds? And the only thing I would say is we make that decision all the time in our society. Uh, When I go to bed tonight and when I wake up tomorrow and go to bed tomorrow night, our country will have spent $125 million fighting in Afghanistan. Now, that means by Thursday of the coming week, Monday through Thursday, we would have this thing paid for. So it's all about priorities. And I think that one of the things we have to look at is, is everyone always going to be able to drive? And I know my father can't drive anymore uh, from Duluth to Minneapolis. He can still drive around town, thank God. But he can't drive on the freeway, and I wouldn't let him. Um, But he may want to get to the Twin Cities. He may want to come to Duluth. Um, Veterans who go down to the VA Uh, We'll take this train from Duluth down to the VA hospital after making a transit change to the light rail uh, down in Minneapolis. Well, Those people aren't driving now. This is not for everybody. It's an alternative. And Dr. Levinson is right. We have to make these decisions based on our priorities. And I would say that one of the things that has made America great is the fact that we have been able to be mobile, whether it be in our automobiles, in our trains of days gone by, or our trains to come in the future our mobility has been one of the things that allows us to move and interact and do it on a personal level where we can exchange ideas and that's one of the things that made America great we watched
0: that interview a few minutes ago with David Levinson and you just uh, responded to that there's one more part uh, of that interview uh, I'd like to mention he used the word I think the most stinging word of all he used to describe the proposal in that interview was quote useless Um, and I think That just sums up his feelings about the project. Um, What would you say uh, to his calling the project useless overall? What is
2: the usefulness of the Northern Lights Express? It's another way for people to travel. It is not for everybody. It will take about 2% of the traffic off of I-35. If that happens, by the way, if 2% of the I-35 traffic moves from their cars and uh, their trucks and gets on the Northern Lights Express, that will pay for the operation of this railroad. The capital cost is an investment that we as a society make in all of our transportation. Uh, That will never be paid back, but it will operate efficiently and with box revenues if just 2 percent of the I-35 traffic is moved from the roadway onto the trains. Just 2 percent makes this viable. I would say that I-35 has yet to turn a profit in its entire existence. Fair point. So if I-35 isn't required to return a profit, why is the Northern Lights Express required? And as far as useless, it may be for some people. Will it be for the million people that ride this train? I would say no. Um, We got just a couple of minutes remaining, but uh, we
0: had those new developments we listed off uh, with the proposal, with hope for funding. Um, and Talk a little bit more about where we are in the project right now and where it's headed.
2: This week will be crucial, Dan, uh, down at the state legislature. I was down there this past week. Uh, we met with some of our representatives, uh, Representative Murphy on the bonding committee. We uh, had some interaction with uh, Speaker Hortman. We also uh, had an interaction with uh, Representative Hausman, all rail supporters. We also did some time uh, visiting with uh, MnDOT because this is a MnDOT project You know, Northern Lights Express is not only the alliance that's working on this. Now, this is a Minnesota Department of Transportation registered project that they are involved in building. So it's actually a state-sponsored project at this particular point. There are a series of bills that we're watching. And as an earlier clip, uh, when I was talking to the DTA, are we going to get all that money? Probably not. Are we in places we have never been before? We are in the governor's budget. We're in the governor's bonding bill, two places we've never been before. We're in a House bonding bill in four different places for almost $100 million for different projects, including, if I go back to one of my earlier comments for a moment, talking about that bottleneck between Duluth and Superior. Sure. It happens to be one bridge, uh, the Grassy Point Drawbridge, and one of the bond bills or one of the House bills that we have calls for $17.5 million to speed that up, which would address Dr. Levinson's point of this being a two-and-a-half-hour trip that only competes with automobile traffic, if we could get some of these choke points and these are being sure uh, addressed in some legislation, we can speed this up without having to speed up the overall speed of the train.
0: Well, it, we have been following this from the beginning back in yes. 2007 when it was first proposed, and we will continue to do so. Ken Bueller, we appreciate you being here. Thank you very much, Dan. That is all the time we have this week for Beyond the Headlines. I'm Dan Wolf. We are back here next week. We'll see you then.